podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Thursday on which absolutely nothing is happening. We should be hearing rumours of players that Liverpool like and interest here and there, but, you know, why would you buy a midfielder to fix your midfield problem? So let's run around the main Liverpool websites and see what's happening. This is Anfield have a really good lead piece up. Why Liverpool should take a leaf out of Brighton's impressive transfer model. This was written by Jack Sear. Buy low, develop, sell high. This is something that Chelsea have done very, very well as well. And City have done really well since they've pumped money into their academy, something our owners have never done. What they have been able to do is go and find young players to bring in and develop. Now, for Brighton, they developed them to bring them into their first team and then sell them on at a later point. With City and with Chelsea, what they've been able to do is bring them in, develop them in their academies, loan them out and build their values that way, sell them on and move from there. I mean, you just need to look at... Now, I know it's not a great example because obviously sports washing and financial doping and whatever else. But if you look at what City did this past summer in terms of sales, Gavin Basunu, they bought him from Shamrock Rovers for about 350000 They got $12 million for him. Pedro Poro, they brought him in as a young player, originally through Girona. They bought him as part of the City Football Group and then moved him to Manchester City. A couple of loans sold him for $7 million. Koei Takura, $4.3 million, same kind of deal. Dario Gabi, $5 million, straight out of their academy. Romeo Lavia, nicked him from Anderlecht, developed him in their academy, sold him for $11 million. Zinchenko was one they brought in for $1.8 million. He made his way into the first team. They got $30 million for him. Samuel Odozi, another superbly talented young player. They nicked him out of the Millwall Academy, turned around and got the better part of $10 million for him this past summer. And then Juan Larios is another one. They nicked him from Barcelona's Academy and got $6 million for him two years later. We don't do things like this. We're not smart enough in how we operate. We don't put the budget there for our academy. But that's easy money for City. That's the better part of 50 million, not counting Zinchenko. It's the better part of 50 million off initial investments that might have been somewhere in the region of 5 million. And you see how many players they have out on loan, how many highly talented young players they have out on loan. The next group that they'll sell on, Stefanovic, Kabore, Keikai, Bustos, Tedic, Yanhel Herrera. Players they brought in for small fees that they've developed really well because they've invested huge amounts in their academy and they'll sell them on. And when they go in the summer and they bid for Jude Bellingham, they'll also have 60, 70, 80 million coming in from sales of academy players that have never touched the first team, have never even sniffed the first team. 
But we don't do this. Chelsea have done the same thing. Look at Chelsea over the last couple of years with some of the sales that they've made from academy players that they deemed weren't good enough for their first team. Like last summer, as an example, Fikayo Tomori, 27 million. Mark Wehi, 21 million. Lewis Bate, Miles Perth Harris, Danil Simo, they all got they got 1.5 plus add-ons for all of them. Tino Livermento, 5.3 million. Tammy Abraham, 36 million. Ike Ugbo, 3.1 million. Even someone like Kurt Zuma that they bought as a young player for 10 million, purely with the intention of flipping him. They got 31.5 million for him. And they've done this fairly well over the last few years. It's one of the few things Chelsea have done well. This past summer, they got 9 million for Billy Gilmore. Like, they're ju- these clubs operate their academies a lot better than we do. With Brighton, you look at the players Brighton have that we could have gotten and done what City and Chelsea have done or developed them for our first team, if that was the plan. Tariq Lamptey, what did, what did Brighton pay for him? Three and a half million, was it even? About three and a half million. And within six months, there was talk of a 50 million move. Now, obviously... Injuries have have damaged him. Alexis McAllister, I think they paid four and a half million for. They'll get 50 when they sell him. We obviously know about Caicedo, three and a half million. They're going to get 60 to 70. Sarmiento, they got cheap. Julio and Ciso, they paid, I think, seven and a half million for. He looks a real talent. Matoma paid buttons for him. Absolute buttons for him. And he'll be another big sale at some point. Kasper Kozlowski out on loan. I think they paid seven million for him. Massive, massive talent. One of the most talented young midfield players in Europe. Jakob Moder is another one that they paid, I think, four and a half, five million for. He'll bring in a big fee for them. These clubs just operate in a manner that we, for whatever reason, don't. Now, my assumption is it's because the funding's not there. Because I would imagine this is something Michael Edwards very much wanted to get on board with. Because you remember, we did it a couple of times. We did it with Solanke. We did it with Rian Brewster. That was something we should have been carrying on. Now, it may well be that we would turn around in a couple of years and we'll sell Harvey Elliott for $25 million, or we'll sell Fabio Carvalho for $20 million, or whatever. But we don't do it often enough. And we're bringing those players in and putting them straight into the first team. And we're promising them, you know, fast track into the first team. Ben Doak's another one. Cade Gordon's another one. But we're promising them you're going into our first team. So we're not buying them to sell them. We're buying them with the intention of they stay and they play. And that's fine as long as you're also getting ones 
that you can sell. As long as you're getting ones where your sole intention with them really is to sell them on. Because a lot of City's players, a lot of Chelsea's players, a lot of Brighton's players, the sole intention is, where's your next move and how much profit are we going to make? And we don't operate like that. We're, again, we're just not ruthless enough. And I know people don't like to hear it, but players are commodities because this is a business. And players are assets of that business. You do have to put the human element aside. They are assets of the business. And people can say, oh, it's a bad thing for players. Is it? You go tell Romeo Lavi it's a bad thing for his career that he went to City. He's currently starting in the Premier League at 18. Basunu the same. You tell Mark Gwehi, currently captain of Crystal Palace, that going to Chelsea was a mistake. Tell Fikayo Tomore to put that Serie A winner's medal in the bin because joining Chelsea was a mistake. There's a way you can look after the players' best interests and the club's best interests. But the club's best interests have to come first. When you operate the way we do, this is how we should be conducting ourselves. So, yeah, I fully agree. Liverpool should take a leaf out of Brighton's book. And then they should take a chapter out of City's and a chapter out of Chelsea's. Liverpool's new homegrown squad issue and the players who can solve it. There isn't. There isn't a homegrown squad issue. There just isn't. Liverpool's current uh, homegrown players are Trent, Joe Gomez, Henderson, Kelleher, Milner, Oxley, Chamber, and Nat Phillips. You don't have to have a certain number of homegrown players. You just can't have more than 17 than 17 um, non-homegrown players. Players like Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones, these are players that play regularly for us and as long as Klopp will be here, we'll continue to do so. But next season, we have nine players that actually will class as homegrown. Uh, Curtis Jones finally becomes a homegrown player. Seb Vandenberg, he's not 21. He is 21. So Seb Vandenberg will class as homegrown. Leighton Clarkson, Reese Williams, Jake Kane, Vitislav Yaros, Paul Glatzel, Jack Byrne, and Oladera Olafunwa. Um, now, Let's be very, very honest about this. There are maybe three players on that list good enough to play for the first team. But it wouldn't surprise me if we see some of them registered in next season's squad. If they're just kept purely to be registered in next season's squad. We do have a bunch of young players who will eventually classify. Like Ben Doak will classify as a homegrown player when he reaches the age. Kate Gordon, the same. Harvey, Fabio, Tyler Morton's another one that will, will become homegrown. Peter Lugo will become homegrown. Calvin Ramsey was bought in time to become a homegrown player. Connor Bradley is another one that will be a homegrown player. So we don't have a homegrown problem, and we never have had one. 
It's just something people like to make up. The same thing with these excuses that have been made for us not signing uh, Moises Caicedo as an example in this window. Oh, well, he's not a homegrown player. It it doesn't actually matter because this season he doesn't count as either homegrown or non-homegrown. This season he counts as an under-21 player in the same way Curtis Jones, who's older than him, counts as an under-21 player. So by next season, when he becomes a senior player, you have to register him as a senior player. Surely he just takes the spot that Nabi Keita has vacated. There will be others that leave as well. You know, if we sign Jude, he doesn't count as a homegrown player next season. He doesn't count as a homegrown player the season after either. He won't classify till 25-26. We have no homegrown player issue. Everything is fine. And there are many ways and means around it. And if you need to fill homegrown spots with senior players, your backup keeper, your third choice keeper, your backup fullbacks, your fifth centre back, your seventh midfielder, these are the type of things you fill with homegrown players. Because homegrown players come with a premium because Brexit means Brexit. You don't waste big sums to buy a player just because they fill a quota spot. That's that's one of the things you don't take from City is spending big money on mediocre dross in order to fill quota spots. 12 people or groups linked with buying Liverpool FC. The Ricketts family uh, would very much be a big no thank you to the Ricketts family. Mr. Ricketts himself, a little bit of a racist, so we won't be taking him. Uh, Martin Broughton-led consortium. Um, Well, the problem here is that his consortium contains another group of people on this list. And without them, he doesn't have the money or the pull to do this. Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment. I would take this one without question. Now, the person that wrote this, I think it's Jack Sear again, uh, really shouldn't be naming Ben Jacobs, a.k.a. Mini Romano, as a source for anything, because he is, of course, a spoofer. Um they definitely have interest and they would be, I believe, the right type of people to take over. A data-led approach, a multi-club model. No question the financing is there between Blackstone and Apollo Global being behind them. You'd have no, no, no money issues at all. Um. <clears throat> they also could bring in a couple of others that they have done uh, business with in the past. Ryan Smith, owner of the Utah Jazz, co-owns the Rail Salt Lake MLS franchise with David Blitzer. Uh, John Texter, who is a part owner of Crystal Palace with them, would be another one worth keeping an eye on. He currently owns Botafogo in Brazil. Uh, he owns Leon 
or a part thereof. Uh, he owns Molenbeek as well in Belgium. So those four, Harris, Blitzer, Texter and Smith, they would bring an awful lot to the table. And like I said, that multi-club model would be it's something I'm very much in favour of. Something we've needed for quite a while. They, to me, would be the best possible outcome if it's an American owner. Mumtalakat Holding Company. This, I believe, is Bayran's sovereign wealth fund. I don't know. I don't know anything about them. Stephen Paluka, he currently owns the Boston Celtics and Atalanta. He was linked with Chelsea when he was looking at buying Chelsea. There were immediate rumours and links to other people buying Atalanta. There have been none since we went on the market, so I don't think he's interested. Uh, Mukesh Ambani, I believe he's one of the richest men in the world. An Indian billionaire worth 90 billion. He'd be great fun purely because he has lots of money. But um, I I doubt it. Uh, Investors from Dubai, maybe. Redbird Redbird Capital Partners. I just don't see it. I really don't see that one happening. Uh, Jim Radcliffe is a nasty Tory. We don't want him. Saudi Qatari Consortiums, maybe. Maybe that would work. But it could also get very messy. Investors from Germany. I mean, this group of unnamed Germans, who knows if there's any truth to it. And then there is Qatar Sports Investments, which is the company, the vehicle, which own Paris Saint-Germain. They have been linked to us. They have also been linked to Tottenham and I think United as well. I, I, I don't see it. Martin Ziegler has ruled that one out. Though Bloomberg say they are uh, interested in buying at least a, a, a stake in Liverpool. But who knows? Of those, Harrison Blitzer are by far the best, unless Ambani decides he wants to um, he wants to jump in. Plenty of good stuff on This Is Anfield. If you haven't read it yet, do read Carl Matchett's piece on Moises Caicedo. Um, there's plenty of other good bits and pieces there, including news regarding a new kit for early 2023, which is to be a collaboration between Nike and LeBron James and the King James brand. I didn't want Nike when we got them first because I think their kits are bland and generic. I wanted Adidas because their kits are actually cool. Nike obviously offered a deal that potentially was going to earn us the most money, but in truth was a massive disappointment considering the numbers that had been floated before the deal was done. I wouldn't imagine we're actually getting the same type of money that we would have with a guaranteed deal from someone like Adidas. But yeah, look, hopefully this, this LeBron 
um, collab is good and hopefully the jerseys are cool because thus far the Nike jerseys have been they, they've been a bit disappointing let's be fair they're bland they're generic Liverpool <coughs> excuse me Liverpool.com Liverpool and transfer talks for 54 million dollar duo as Jurgen Klopp meets demands of Juventus man this is going to be some nonsense um, piece about Darwin Nunes Alan Shearer apparently impressed with Darwin uh, Adrian Rabio transfer claim we will not be signing Adrian Rabio. midfield duo talks Liverpool is in talks to sign Kefren Turam and Quadio Kone that's according to football transfers well you couldn't scrape the barrel much further. Um, look, Turam and, and Kone would be great signings. They really would. And we do need four midfielders. So if you could get those two and Jude and Nunes, it would be very, very good. It wouldn't be perfect, but it would be very, very good. Um, but Kevin Turam's not going to be allowed to leave this window because Nisa are currently selling Mario Lamina to Wolves. Kone, on the other hand, is available. Now, I think Kone is perfect for that right-sided role. If we want to play it the way we used to play it, he's a better version of what used to be there. More more aggressive, more purposeful, better ball winner, much better defensively. More progressive, better dribbler with the ball, more physical. He'd be great there. Kefren Turam... Really good long-term six. But the play then is Caicedo for the left-sided role. And then one more like a Eunice Musa, And not spoke all your money on a 19-year-old. Liverpool transfer agreement and five more links begin to add up as Jurgen Klopp plan emerges. Let's have a look here. Nunez, Amrabat, Kone, Benesser, and Alexis McAllister. So you'll note uh, we've been linked with Amrabat by Foot Mercado, who are an absolutely outrageously poor outlet. Uh, he has now allegedly decided he wants to go to Atletico Madrid. He has picked Atletico Madrid over us, if you believe the reports. Unfortunately, those reports are nonsense. He, he can't pick a club over a club that doesn't want him. So he maybe Atleti want him. We certainly didn't. Uh, Ishmael Benesser. Matteo Moretta. Matteo Moretto is the only one who's linked us to him. And that's most likely his agent just trying to pressure Milan into that new contract he's now agreed. And we've been linked to Joe Polina by Dean Jones. And if the wall told me, if Molly told me we were interested in a player, I'd believe her before we believe Dean Jones. Uh, Neymar and Lionel Messi. Oh, we can't be arsed with that nonsense. Jurgen Klopp's seven-year wait could end as Man United delivers fresh Liverpool concern. Liverpool should repeat Darwin Nunes' transfer very soon after seeing genius double January deal. So, 
Benfica have signed one supremely talented player in Andreas Schrelderup. They've also signed another Dan- a Danish striker, Kasper Tengsend. Tengsted? Tengsted? I Tengsted, I think. He is coming from Rosenberg. So they've signed a Danish striker from a Norwegian club and a Norwegian winger from a Danish club. Um, Tengsted, I believe, is going there with the view of they'll sell Goncalo Ramos in the summer for an outrageous fee and he will be the one who replaces him. Um, Schreldrup, I, I just think he's absolutely outrageously talented. And he has now turned us down twice, so it's very clear we have um, quite the, uh, the hard-on for him. Liverpool should use Real Madrid's own transfer trick against them to land Jude Bellingham. Some of the stuff about Jude is just funny. Like, Real Madrid have offered him a guaranteed starting role. I would imagine he's getting a starting role if they pay 100-plus million for him. I would imagine that's kind of par for the course. They're not Man City. They're not wasting money. Uh, Liverpool versus Brighton, the Premier League preview, written by Stephen Smith. Liverpool 2, Wolves 2, the FA Cup post-mortem, written by Stephen Smith. And absent Luis Diaz, an underrated reason for Liverpool's shambles is the word I'm going to use. It's not the word Henry used, but that piece was written by Henry Jackson. It's a piece about Lucho. We miss him desperately right now. Desperately. And I'm really excited to see him come back and play with Mo and Darwin in a front three or two up him left wing. He's such a talented player. We have new podcasts. You may have noticed there's a rival recon up. There is a mole beyond the spot. And there are two new podcasts with me. There is a new scouted, which will be out today. And there's a pro plus, uh, myself and Grizz Khan. Now, a couple of things on this. <clears throat> I'm not sure how I'm getting second billing on this. Eddie Gibbs has a lot to answer for here. How am I getting sep- second billing? Come on now. I won't accept it much longer. Um, no, it was. It's a. I think. I think it's pretty good. The feedback thus far has been has been pretty good. Um, we just we chatted for just over an hour about largely the midfield and, and what we need to do, and we'll do another one next week, and we'll see where we go from there. Yeah, went pretty well. So there you go. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.